Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. on CityCast DC. It's been a deadly summer in DC so far. 12 kids have already died from gunfire this year. Emily Davies, reporter at the Washington Post, has been covering this troubling and complicated story. Today's Tuesday, July 25th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC is talking about. I just got finished reading your expansive piece in the Post on the youth gun violence in the summertime. I have to say, it was heartbreaking stuff, um, reading about what youth are experiencing and some of the ways that folks are trying to make an impact. Where in the city is this violence happening most? Violence is touching, I would say, most parts of D.C. right now, but it is certainly concentrated in Ward 7 and 8 in large part. Especially Ward 8 this year has seen some serious increases in violent crime. And a lot of children and youth in that part of the city are are really struggling. Mm. I think one troubling trend we're seeing in D.C. is that the ages of people who are committing crimes and becoming victims of crimes are getting younger. From what I've heard from community, from what we've seen in the data, it used to be more so 16, 17-year-olds really involved in the streets. And now that's getting to 13, 14 that is really sad and I think speaks to the crisis that our local politicians here are, are referring to. So what kind of violence are we talking about specifically? Like, is it robberies, carjacking, shootings, something else entirely? The answer to this question, I think, is really upsetting to people because it's a lot about guns. It just feels like it's easier and easier for people younger and younger to get their hands on firearms. And you're seeing that play out in data. As of early July... About 69 kids in D.C. have been shot this year, and 12 of those have been killed. And on the other side of that equation, in juvenile cases this year in the district, the Office of the Attorney General so far has charged 184 cases. So that means there are 184 instances that the Office of the Attorney General felt there was evidence to show that a juvenile had committed a violent crime. And that is up by at least 10 matters compared to the same time last year. Those numbers are pretty stark. Yeah, for the piece, you and Peter Herman talked to families who have been directly impacted by this violence. How are they feeling? A lot of families have said to me that they are frustrated, they're sad, they're scared. But I think underlying a lot of those feelings is one of hopelessness because it's been a long time for many of them of wanting better for their families. And it feels like they're on this treadmill and they're just running and running and can't get off and around them. It feels like the city is is just growing more and more dangerous. And that's really painful. 
Yeah, in the piece, I think it was Trayon White who said that you should not be allowing your kids to go outside, which I think really underscores like the hopelessness of this situation where it's summertime and kids can't even go outside. Summer is supposed to be fun for kids, but the ability to have fun right now in D.C. feels like a privilege. And that is a reality I think that we all need to look at square on and figure out how to do better and how to help these children. Because if kids don't have outlets to be kids, what we're seeing right now is they find other outlets and other ways to express what they're feeling. Um, And that can be dangerous. Why is summer like an extra nerve-wracking and difficult time for these families? School provides a lot of infrastructure. It provides supervision for kids whose parents work or whose mother or father, single parents work and have to be out of the house all day. It also provides role models and purpose in many ways for children, both through academic experiences, through learning, and also through sports and through friendship. There is an environment that is designed for their betterment. And a lot of these children are not lucky enough to have homes that have the financial security to set up similar infrastructure for them. So they're they're alone sometimes without parents around, and they don't have much to do. They're bored. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. I know that Mayor Bowser has declared youth violence in the city an emergency. That was last year. But since then, things have gotten even worse. Do you have a sense of what she's trying to do about it from a legislative perspective? Yes, this is a big topic of conversation in terms of policy, in terms of community support and infrastructure, in terms of schools, policing, violence interruption. It spans pretty much every department in government right now in one way or another. Parks and Rec, another good example. And there is a lot of tension and disagreement right now in the city about how to handle youths who are prone to or vulnerable to committing or becoming victims of violence. And there are some people who believe that we need to, as former police chief Conti has said, sit kids down who have committed violent crimes or have been accused of committing violent crimes. That's another way of saying that we need to detain them in youth detention centers. And then there are other people who believe that incarceration of any kind for somebody younger than 18 only makes them more likely to recidivate. And that question is very complicated and is playing out right now in City Hall as the D.C. City Council has taken up and passed emergency legislation that makes it easier for judges to detain certain juveniles before their trial. How do you think that's going to impact youth violence? It's really hard to tell. The hope from some people is that we'll set an example 
for other children who are considering committing crimes by showing them that if you perform an act of violence, then you will be removed from your community. And in a similar vein, there's hope that it will teach the child who already has been accused of committing the crime that that there are consequences and those consequences are serious and painful. And that together, that, that package will serve as a deterrent. There are other people who feel that that punitiveness is actually counterproductive and that children and teenagers don't learn that way. And I think time will tell in D.C. how this plays out and if that legislation actually changes the way that judges are treating juveniles. It's important to remember that children and teenagers who are affected by this legislation have not actually been convicted of crimes. They've just been accused of crimes. So it's complicated. It's really complicated. Is this one of those situations where we have any data that can help us, you know, say which way this might go? Like, you've mentioned that there are people who think that any juvenile who is introduced to the criminal justice system as a child, that will only increase the likelihood that they will go on to commit more crimes. Does the data paint a portrait about this? There's a really interesting division in the way that the effect of juvenile pretrial detention is discussed. Experts and advocates cite a lot of studies done by professional organizations, by data analysts, to show that kids and teens who are detained or who come into contact with the criminal justice system are more likely to recidivate or to be charged again with another crime. That would suggest, they argue, that detention for children and teens in D.C. will not keep the city safer. And it will, in fact, risk making the city more dangerous because if we detain more children, then they are perhaps, data shows, more likely to recommit crimes. However, that is a really hard argument to land in communities across D.C. where a mother has lost her son to a shooting and then sees that child who she believes killed her son on the corner of her block two days later. Mm. And it's one of these real tension points where maybe the data suggests one thing, but the lived experiences of people would point to another And so you see that dynamic playing out a lot right now, those conversations where it feels like people are talking past each other using different types of evidence to make their points. Well, it underscores the complexity of the issue. Exactly. It's really hard. And I think that anyone who's in this space will tell you that the solutions are complicated. And if anybody has figured it out, I think we'd all be rushing to that person and begging them to help us. Well, the city is hoping that proposing new summer programs to keep kids safe will help for the next few months. What kind of activities are they proposing? They have a lot of rec centers open for various sporting games, arts and crafts, community events of that sort. But I will say that's also complicated because the children and teenagers have to be able to get there. They have to have transportation to those recreation centers often. And they also have to be in parts of D.C. where they feel safe and not vulnerable. And I've talked to a lot of children recently who feel like they can't get to their rec centers. And so even well-meaning, well-structured programming that the city provides has its limits right now. In the piece, you talk about, um, I think it's Woodland Terrace specifically, how the logistical challenges of getting a young person from 
that housing project to, you know, a rec center. And then when they get there, they might be terrified to walk through the door. And so all of these different roadblocks to this thing that the city is proposing that might be a well-intentioned proposal that might just not actually in day-to-day practice be something that works out. Right. These kids need comprehensive help. They need help in transportation. They need help in food. They need help in their houses to make sure that their electricity is on if their parents can't afford the bills. I mean, they they are just up against so much and city policy can address buckets of it and pieces of the puzzle. But without somebody focused on the entire thing, it's really hard to see how one of these vulnerable kids in D.C. can get themselves to safety. Definitely. Reading your piece, some of the day-to-day lived experiences of these young people, this sounds bad, but part of me was like, if you're a young person and your day-to-day lived experience is such that you've described in the piece, that sounds pretty grim, part of me can understand why the idea of long-term consequences or, you know, quote, not wanting to throw your life away, why that's not really resonating. Because day-to-day, maybe you don't have a lot that feels like is there to give you a lot of long-term hope. If you're experiencing hopelessness, you know, what difference does it make if you go out and, like, make a choice that's going to have lifelong consequences for you or someone else? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you're you're spot on. With that, it's a privilege inherently to think long-term. If you're focused on day-to-day survival, and especially if you're, like, 13 years old, imagining a long-term life for yourself where mm. you're one day an adult feels impossible. I mean, it really does for the kids that I've been talking to. A lot of them are going to their friends' funerals. A lot of them have been to multiple funerals by the time they're 15 of people their own age. And they see their friends in caskets and they are trying to protect themselves. And that is their primary focus. And in order to address the state and the crisis among Youth in this city, I think there needs to be an understanding of that framework, that 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 place of survival and desperation is where our young people, many of them, are operating from right now. That is so heartbreaking for these kids. They're so young. They're so young. And, you know, I think it's also important to say that there are a lot of youth, children, teenagers in this city who are doing great and who have a lot of resources and who are contributing and who have very bright futures ahead of them. So it's really a problem of inequality at the core of it, which I think can feel obvious but is important to name because sometimes in these conversations about youth and violence, it can feel like everybody's in crisis. And it's not everybody. It's a subset of our city. You know, having lived in D.C. a long time, I'm pretty familiar with crime in the city and what it looks like. And so, you know, when you're thinking about ways to keep yourself safe, You're thinking like, I don't want someone to steal from me. I don't want somebody to take my car. But it seems like increasingly, it's not necessarily a young person who wants to take something or get something. It's like social media slights or like somebody bumps into you on the street. These interactions that you or I might have and brush off and, and, you know, forget completely that then go on to, to have lifelong consequences for young people. Is that something that you're seeing uh, bear out? Yes, I think that is an accurate characterization of what's going on. Social media beefs over YouTube videos, over Instagram, that is fueling a lot, a lot of violence in D.C. And and I would put that in a separate category of, of maybe strangers interacting on the street and 
those interactions turning sour and then deadly because there's a gun involved. There's crew sort of feuding among young people that really often does happen over, it appears to be issues of pride and loyalty. And a lot of that is playing out on social media. And then there are these random acts of violence where two people are talking, they might know each other, and suddenly somebody pulls out a gun and ends a life. And they're both hard to understand in different ways. Um, and they sometimes are overlapping in terms of the people who they um, affect. But I think the strategy of policing and of interrupting violence can differ slightly depending on the issue. So from all your reporting and watching and interviewing, do you think the city has a handle on this at all? It's really hard to answer that question in the affirmative because of the numbers. It's just numerically getting worse and worse. More and more children are being shot. More and more children are dying by gun violence. And so I don't know how in good faith I could say that the city has a handle on it. Emily, thank you so much for being here and for your thoughtful covering of this issue. Thanks for having me. And before you go, producer Julia Karen has your news. The Dulles Greenway in Loudoun County could soon have tolls increased by 40%. The highway is the only privately owned one in Virginia, and the company that owns it is in debt due to ridership decline. If the request to increase toll costs is approved, the highway travel between Dulles International Airport and the Leesburg Bypass would jump from $5.80 to $8.10. Also, D.C. Rep. Eleanor Holmes Norton has introduced a bill to compel the federal government to sell the historic Daniel Webster School. The building at 10th and 8th Streets Northwest has been closed but empty for two decades. Norton hopes the building sale could help revitalize real estate downtown. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. Is there anything about this issue that I did not ask that you want to make sure gets included? Great last reporter question. <laughs>